could stand for just a moment for the reading of the word tonight. First Peter chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse 6 and we'll read on through verse 9. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. You may be seated. You know, I uh, was just praying to the Lord for this evening just to try to encourage the folks that are here tonight, and I just began to think about the joy that we have in Christ Jesus, and I could think of no better verses to preach to you tonight than the ones that you just heard because, you know, throughout a week's time, many things can happen. I went to a funeral today and preached a funeral, and I'll share more about this later, but a 27-year-old woman overdosed on heroin. 27 years old, three beautiful little girls, nine-year-old, a three-year-old, and a 10-month-old. And I'll tell you, it was one of the most difficult funerals I've had to preach in a long time. And you uh, think about choices that people make, and we all get tempted and uh, the Bible speaks of manifold temptations, but you know, apart from Jesus Christ, there's no hope for people. And uh, I wanted to share with you, I preached a message of hope today, and uh, we had eight folks ask Christ to save them today. One of them was Larry Withrow's son, and uh, I want you to pray because he and I are getting together now. I want you to pray. I talked to Hector Hernandez. How many of you remember him from Sunday? <laughs> I think he had about 12 kids here, didn't he? <laughs> I don't know how many he had. But uh, Hector and I are going to get together, and I want you to pray. And uh, you never know who impacts people's lives. Uh, Vicki and Bill had interacted with the Hernandezes. The Simpsons ended up getting them to help them with their house. And then Hector shows up here at church. We preached the gospel to him. He said to me Sunday morning, I was so excited, I told Chris, he said, he said to me, he goes, I for the first time, I have thought about my salvation. And I want you to pray for him because I want to meet with him. I want to talk to him. Mrs. Blumenstock, Kathy's invested time in her henchin and uh, with her daughters. And so got Mrs. Blumenstock over here and Nita and I are going to go see her tomorrow night. So I want you to pray for her. And here's the thing. All of these folks have all kinds of problems and temptations in their life, just like we do. The difference between us and the unsaved world <laughs> is we have hope. Amen? We have joy in Christ. We know where we can turn to in our time of need. And so when you're saved, you can expect your faith to be tried. And so Peter's talking about that. And he said, look, it, just because we're saved doesn't mean that we're not going to get tempted. And he talks about manifold temptations. So he's talking about various types of things can come our way and tempt us. And if your faith is never tried, it will never be significant to you. But... When it's tried, I think we begin to see the value of our faith. And so I know that my faith has been tested, and then when God takes me and I get to the other side of that temptation, or I get to the other side of that test, and I look back on it, and I see how God, the Lord Jesus Christ, carried me through, there's joy in that, isn't there? And our joy in Christ comes by way of faith. And when the Christian believer meets temptations or trials, and you turn to Christ, I believe what we can see is his work in our life and our time of need. 
And believe me, folks, whenever you are in your most dire situations, the best thing you can do is drop to your knees and pray to an almighty God. And when it's so painful, you don't even know how to speak about it. There's a God in heaven who wants to listen. But listen, Jesus Christ will carry you through, and there is joy in Christ. And that's what Peter's talking about here. And I believe to do, uh, we have to maintain that joy, but I'm asking the question this way tonight. Do you maintain joy in the midst of your trials and your temptations? Do you maintain that joy in Christ? And so I believe the Lord tests our faith so that we know that it's real, but our trials and our tests should never rob us of the joy that we have in Christ. And I think sometimes we allow that to happen to us, depending on our trials. We allow ourselves to get robbed of the joy. I was just shared with last night and then even this evening, a young girl, just uh, very young, took her own life. And I, I thought, what, what could possibly be in the mind of a 16-year-old that would want them to take their own life? You see, it, it, this world in which we live is so difficult. And it's hard to understand. I mean, I can't imagine what has entered into a 16-year-old's life that would cause them or bring them to that place. It's hard, isn't it? And we're all tempted. The difference between your temptation and the world's temptation, if you know Jesus Christ the Savior is, you have Christ. <laughs> you have someone to turn to. You have somewhere to go. And this is why we spread the gospel. This is why we bring forth the message of the joy that's in Christ Jesus. And I believe Christ brings joy to our lives, and we are to maintain our joy. Even though we have temptations, even though we have trials, one of the things that we have to use to stay focused is our faith. And Peter drives this home to these people that you have faith, and your faith is what brings the joy, and the joy that you have in Christ helps you to overcome these temptations that we face every day in our lives. So I want to talk to you just a moment when he talks about these manifold temptations. And these manifold temptations are the trial of your faith. And these temptations, they're different types. And sometimes they're physical, they're financial, they're spiritual, and they all come in different forms, shapes, and sizes. And I, I want to share with you last night, I called Chris, and, and we were talking, uh, Brother uh, Fender. I was speaking to him yesterday afternoon, and right after I got off the phone with him, he was walking down the stairs, and he fell and uh, just busted up his shoulder and his hand, and he's down in Sydney Hospital right now. And um, I was talking with Sherry, his daughter, and uh, they've diagnosed uh, Brother Fender now with cancer of the liver. And um, I just want you to pray for him. But I'll tell you what was exciting to me, and I have to share this with you, and all of that. They told me he was not coherent. <laughs> uh, he was disoriented. And I went down to the hospital to visit with him. And Sherry and Michelle and Ron were all sitting there. And Sherry said, you can go over and talk to him, but he's, he's kind of disoriented. And when I walked up to him, he said, Pastor Warnick. <laughs> and a conversation ensued. And he said, how's Elise doing? I said, she's doing okay. He said, that motor blew up in that car, didn't it? And I said, it sure did. <laughs> and he said, how's Michael? I said, Michael's doing good. I said, he's, he's working. He said, is he not back in school? I said, no. I said, he's kind of run out of money. He's got to build it back up so he can get back there. And he said, well, how's Connor doing? He's getting ready to graduate, isn't he? And I said, he sure is, Gary. <laughs> and I'm standing there. I'm thinking, I came down to do what? Encourage him, right? And he said, how's that Emily, that little baby of yours? I said, well, and he goes, I know. She's not a baby anymore. Her birthday's coming up soon. She's going to be old. She's going to be 14. Huh? 
So I went down to encourage Gary, and Gary looked me right in the face, and he said, Pastor, I just want you to know one thing. I'm ready to meet Jesus. Now, I want to tell you something. That prompted me to put this message together tonight. Because in all his temptations, in all his trials, he had joy in Christ, didn't he? And I turned to Sherry, and she goes, he remembered everything. He was, and she told me he's so disoriented. She said, how did you hold that whole conversation? We were laughing and everything else. And I said, Gary, I want to pray with you. And I said, then I'm going to kiss you on your forehead, not your lips, because I don't want them to think I'm weird or anything, you know. <laughs> and he laughed, and I kissed him on his forehead. He's down in Sydney Hospital. I want you to pray for him. Gary's ready to meet the Lord. But there was a joy in him that others don't have because he knows Christ. And believe me, folks, he's faced some physical, physical temptations, manifold. And, and I began to think we're in the fire sometimes, and whether that's financial, physical, spiritual, you know, they all come in different shapes and sizes, don't they? Every one of us, every day, something, something may occur. And, and we're in the fire at times so that the Lord, I believe, is able to refine us at those times. And he's able to remove all the things that conflict with his will for our lives. And, and sometimes I think it's just a purification process. He's just trying to purify us sometimes. And he lets us go through those times, those fires, those trials, and, and they enter in. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity. And here it is. And purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. And then, you know, Peter talks about wherein you greatly rejoice. And I thought, man, in the midst of all of this, Gary's rejoicing. <laughs> and, and, and it brought to my mind, and I use this uh, passage on Sunday, but for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and ex eternal weight of glory. And I thought, Gary looks at his problems as just a light affliction. <laughs> it's no big deal. And he even said that to me. He said, it, it, it'll soon pass. And, and, and you know, there was joy in this man's heart. <laughs> in the middle of his trials, in the middle of his temptations, there was peace. And I think some of that is a knowledge of a secure position. Wouldn't you agree? He's got an inheritance he's waiting uh, to, to get. Would you agree? There's, there's something on the other side of this for him. And, and I know he's looking at the day that he gets to see his sweet Savior. And there's an inheritance waiting for you if you're saved. And there's a position that ought to bring rejoicing to our heart. And there ought to be security in us because we serve a risen Savior. We celebrated it Sunday, didn't we? And, and if he's risen, he sits on the right hand of the Father. He's our advocate. He's there for us. And listen, he's looking uh, to us to continue his work while we're here. But listen, one day we're all going to get called home. There's a certainty to that, isn't there? And, and you think about it. There's a measure of days, he, it says, the psalmist says, there's a measure of days that I, that I may know how frail I am. That frail means how transient, how fleeting how quickly this passes us by. And even if we were to live to 100, it goes by quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> and yet I think about this knowledge of this secure position that we have, and regardless of my circumstances, whatever surrounds me, my Christ is with me. <laughs> there ought to be joy in my life, even in the middle of my temptations. James 1.12, he said, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Amen. For when he is tried, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them, that love him. And I thought, here's a man lying in this bed and he's enduring his temptation, isn't he? 
He's, a, he's going through this right now, but, but I believe he has that promise in mind. He has that promise in mind, and that promise is this, is that there's a crown waiting for him, to them that love him. You know the temptations come so that God can demonstrate his faithfulness to us, and I think whenever we're tempted, God shows how faithful he is. In fact, in the scriptures in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, does not the Bible tell us there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is what? Common to man. <laughs> but notice this phrase in the middle of that, but God is faithful, isn't he? You see, there's none of us that are not tempted by something, and tempt temptation isn't always lustful or in that sense, but we're tempted. We're tempted to doubt our faith. We're tempted to doubt our Christ. We're tempted to maybe walk away from God. We're tempted to do so many different things in the midst of our trials, and sometimes we just have to remember God is faithful. And God tells us in the Scriptures, He'll never suffer us to be tempted above that we're able, but He'll do something for us. He will, with that temptation, also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. And God said, there's a way out. And you know that way out last night in Gary's mind was the joy that he had in Christ Jesus. Amen? And we ought to have that in us regardless of our trials. We ought to be able to see the joy that we have in Christ. Every day we face temptations, and my flesh battles it too. And, 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 and there's a battle sometimes between the flesh and the spirit, is there not? And if you think it's not so, hey, listen, the man who wrote a lot of this book, his name's Paul, you go read Romans 7 and you tell me he wasn't having a battle. He said, those things that I will that I do not, those things I do. He said, the things I shouldn't be doing, those are the things I'm doing. Now, the things that I should be doing, I'm not doing them. And we battle, don't we? And every one of us in here face those battles. And we face those temptations every day. And we allow our battles sometimes to overcome us, and yet... God is faithful in the midst of those temptations. And I want you to remember something. The Bible clearly teaches you and me as saved people. In, in, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. <laughs> We're more than conquerors. God said we can overcome this stuff because we have joy in Jesus Christ. Amen? We have Christ on our team, on our side. And I believe the trial of your faith should not cause you to walk away, but cause you to walk closer to God. I saw a man last night walking close with God. I saw a man who's going through manifold temptations right now. His, well, they're physical. <laughs> Ours might be financial. Ours might be spiritual. It might be something else tempting us. But I want you to know there is a Jesus Christ who sits on the right hand of the Father, and if you know him as Savior, there ought to be joy in your life to be able to endure that time of temptation. It should cause us to see that eternal joy we have in Christ. You know, there will be trouble, but we have to maintain our joy in Christ. We have to remember who he is and what he's told us. Just as I told you, you know, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, you know, it's only for a time. But there's an eternal weight of glory just, just ahead of that. And sometimes we fail to remember what we have on the other side of all of this. And we ought to see the joy that we have in Christ Jesus. And listen, when the trial comes, as he says in verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. He told me the trial of my faith is greater than gold that I have on my finger. <laughs> he said it's better than anything that you have because he even said gold perisheth. But do you know what doesn't? My faith. <laughs> my faith is set before my heavenly Father. When I look at this, that the trial of your faith, this is the testing of the trying of your faith. 
And I always think, what good is, is something if it has not been tested and proved? You know, Brother Chris, I'm getting ready to take this motor out of Elise's car. And so, you know, I'm getting ready to pull that out of there, and I'm hearing different things. I've had different guys say this to me. Maybe it's just a rod. Now, let me tell you something, Chris. Once you go through pulling these motors out, I'm thinking, man, I want to put something back in there that works. Huh? And, and, you know, I thought, well, you know, James, if we change that rod out, are you with me? You know what I want to do before I stick that motor back in that car? I want to test that what? I want to test that engine out before I stick it back in the car. Would you agree? I want to fire that bad boy up because I want to hear. And the last thing I want to hear is, I like to hear, <laughs> be nice to hear. Now, why would I want to test it? Because, man, it's a lot of work, isn't it? And, and the thing of it is, is that our faith, we strive to do which is right, and God allows it to be tested at times. And when it's tested, we see how pure, how real it really is, don't we? We know how good it is. And, and we know what God's allowing to enter into our lives, so God proves our faith to show us that he's real in our lives. And our faith is not a dead faith, and to maintain our joy in Christ, we have to do it even in the midst of our trials. And so I tell you, yeah, I want to test that engine before I stick it back in the car, especially if I just change out a rod. <laughs> I want to hear it. I want to hear what it sounds like. Amen? And the reason I want to test it is I want it to be proved. I want to make sure before I stick it back in there that it's going to do its job. God lets us be proved. He lets us be tested, doesn't he? And then he allows something else to enter in, doesn't he? And he grows our faith. And he shows us the joy that we ought to have in Christ in it. In James 1, 2, and 3, he said, My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. <laughs> when many of them come your way, different types, different kinds of temptations. He said, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now, I want to tell you, patience is, <laughs> you know, when you hear patience is a virtue, I run short on it. I mean, you can ask my kids, how many of you run short on patience sometimes when you're trying to tell them something? How many of you run short on patience? You feel like, how many times do I have to tell you this? Can you not hear? Do you not have ears? Did you not hear me? Did you not just hear me say? And what's happening to you? You're running out of what? <coughs> running out of patience. I wonder how many times God could run out of patience with us, and he does not. And you think about this, and he said that the trying of your faith worketh what? Patience, when it gets tried. God's testing you. He's allowing you to be proved. He's allowing you to see where you are in your relationship with him. And look, what it ought to cause is for us to be more relied, uh, relying upon him, and we become more reliable for him. And we're relying on him more for the situation. And so I challenge you, even in your trials, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, our faith is valuable, and here's why. It is the means by which we trust Christ. If you think about this, he said in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are you saved through what? Faith, right? So faith is valuable. Why is it valuable? Because it's what saves us. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. I believe not only is it the means by which we trust Christ, it's the tool that God guides us with in our life. He tells us in Hebrews 11, 1 and 2, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And listen to this. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. <laughs> you know, I hope I have a good report with him. And it comes by the very fact 
that your faith is tested. And they end up with a good report. And then I believe this. It's an instrument of God in the life of the believer. Do you know the word uh, faith in the Scriptures? In the New Testament alone, it's used over 229 times in the New Testament. 229 times God speaks of faith. In, in various forms, faith, faithfulness, that idea. But 229 times. Now, if he mentioned it once, it's important. Would you agree? But when he starts speaking about something, it's mentioned 229 times. I think it ought to get our attention. Wouldn't you agree? And, and when you read the Scriptures and you see this, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two. And Jesus answering saith unto them, listen to this, have faith in God. And so really, when we talk about our faith, it's us placing our reliance upon Him. It, it's what He's capable of doing. It, we should not get robbed of our joy when our faith is tested. It should bring joy to our lives knowing we have a Christ that's there for us. I believe it's the method of God, and He refines us in this life. And I, I'll give you an example it's hard sometimes. I remember when I first got saved, one of the hardest things for me to do was to learn how to give. I'm being truthful. It was hard to learn how to give. Now, my pastor taught me, he said, you ought to learn how to give. <laughs> and I thought, okay, what does that mean? And he began to teach me over time what it meant to give. And, and he said, let me take you to a verse, Bob, in Luke 6.38. He says, give, and it shall be what? Given unto you. I said, well, what's that supposed to mean? He said, just learn how to give. Learn how to give. And, and, and he says this in that passage. He said, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And you all have heard me talk to about my kettle corn. I mean, Kathy's bought it for me. I don't know how many times. So has Caleb. <laughs> I told him, man, when you get my kettle corn, man, I want that bag running over with joy. Amen? I mean, there's nothing like it. I mean, if you've got to press it down a little bit and it's coming over the sides, I'm good with that. I'll catch it. Amen? <laughs> and the thing of it is, is, man, it's just overflowing. That's what God's talking about when we give. He said, give and it shall be what? Given unto you. Do you know that was the hardest area of my life because my faith got tested there. And I thought, if I give, you mean to tell me God's going to take care of me? Yeah, that's exactly what the Scriptures teach. Just go read Malachi. And you can find out that God takes care of us. One of the other things is, is in personal situations. 2 Corinthians 1, 9 and 10. But we had a sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raises the dead. And I, I began to think about that very passage and. And, and, you know, he said, we had the sentence of death in us. Paul was saying, hey, they were ready to kill us. But you know what? We didn't worry about it so much because we had faith in the one who can raise us, not the one who tries to kill us. And, and he goes on in that passage, he said, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver and whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. He said, not only is he going to do this right now for us, but we know that even in the future... <laughs> He'll do this for us. He'll deliver us. Now listen, you say, well, what does that mean, Pastor? You, how's he going to deliver us? Sometimes he's going to deliver us up to himself, amen? For it is not man that taketh my life. It, it is my life is in the hands of my Heavenly Father. And that, folks, should bring joy of Christ in my life because I know where my life lays and whose hands it lays in. 
And so it should bring joy to me. You know, God works in the life of the believer so that he may receive the glory for the outcome. And I got to thinking about it sometimes. Sometimes we want to receive the glory for the outcome, and God says, no, 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 that's his. It belongs to him. And by the way, an outcome is not what you've determined it should be, but what God intends to do in your life at times as you faithfully follow him. And here's the thing. We want to tell God sometimes, Lord, I'll be faithful if you do this. And that's not God's choice that way. God says, no, 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 I want you to be faithful and you watch what I'll do for you. And sometimes we just go to him and we say, no, I'll be faithful if you do this. And God doesn't operate that way. God's looking for us to be faithful and God then will fulfill his will in our lives. If our faith is never tried, folks, then we would never see the joy that we have in Christ to lead us through our times of temptation. And lastly this, as the Lord removes all those impurities out of our life through our trials, remember to just stay strong in your faith. Keep your eyes upon Christ. Stay strong in your faith. He says this in verses 8 and 9. He said, Whom having not seen ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. So we must understand that we will face many temptations and they have a purpose and that's hard for us to understand because sometimes we go through stuff and we don't really understand what the purpose of it is. The funeral that I did today, the mother and the daughter came to see me on Tuesday and here's a young girl, 27 years old and uh, folks, uh, the mom was in my office and Anita was there with me and I think, Vicki, you were in the office down there. And I've not heard moaning so loud in my life in such a long time. There was such a groan inside this woman. And she was begging God to please help her understand what just happened. That her 27-year-old daughter is now no longer here and she has three children. Well, James, she was groaning so hard You could hear her almost screaming and just broken, broken, broken. And the sister sitting there, just tears running down her face and and not knowing what to do, not even knowing how to lean over and help her mom. And this woman is just so broken over what her daughter, the decisions that her daughter made, and she had no hope. And God opened an opportunity for my wife and myself to lead Marilyn Sharp to the Lord on Tuesday and her daughter. You pray, they're supposed to be here Sunday. Deidre Lamb and Marilyn Sharp. And I listened to a woman groan so hard, and yet when we walked out, she said to me, she goes, I feel different than when I came in here. And she wasn't even crying anymore. But do you know, If that woman truly trusted Christ as her Savior, she had something that she didn't have when she came in, but when she walked out, she had Jesus Christ. And today, I watched her at the funeral, and I was able to tell the rest of the group that both Marilyn and Deidre trusted Christ as Savior. We had eight hands raised today for salvation. And folks, believe me, in that funeral, I promise you, there were more folks that were on drugs than we can imagine. And Brother James, I thought to myself, God help them. They need it. And I, I, I began to think about 
the joy that we ought to have. You know, no one person in this room has ever physically seen Jesus Christ, but as a believer, we know that he's real, don't we? (laughs) Have you seen God work in your life? (laughs) And and, and I watched in that room today God working, and and by the way, Miss Carrie, I had three little kids. They just, as I was trying to give the gospel, they started screaming. And, and one of the women in there just had the wherewithal to stand up, and she started scooping up babies and taking them out. <laughs> and the gospel got out today. And believe me, it wasn't me, Miss Vicki. It was God working in that service. And I could tell God was working on the hearts of those people. And, and I believe with all of my heart that it was my faith in Christ that was causing things to happen in there. And I could tell the devil was working hard. <laughs> And I mean, there was a lot of distractions started to happen, especially as I got to the gospel, Miss Kathy. When I got to the gospel, all the distractions started. <laughs> and you can ask Miss Anita, all of a sudden I seen some women just come out of nowhere. And they just started scooping up babies and started taking things out of the way. And God began to work in the hearts of people. And I began to think, I've never seen Jesus, but boy, I've seen him work, Amen. <laughs> And I watched him today do some things that just took the the distractions out of the way. And two facts about the end of our faith that should cause us to rejoice and maintain our joy in Christ. One, knowledge of our secure position and our inheritance that brings an increasing love for him. Today, I love my Lord more than I ever did. I was watching Jesus do something that no man could do. (laughs) And I began to watch him work and I thought... I have a secure position. I have an inheritance, and my love is increasing as I watch him work in other people's lives. Should cause us to get excited. We ought to have some joy in us, amen? And then I began to think about knowledge of our secure position and our inheritance, and that should bring that assurance, that completion of my salvation. And believe me, I don't doubt whether I'm going to heaven or not, folks. I do not. If I die right now, heaven is my home, Boy, I hope you have that kind of faith (laughs) that you really trusted Jesus Christ and you know for sure if you're part of this earth at this very moment that heaven's your home. You know, when I talked to Gary last night, he looked up at me and he smiled and he said, Pastor, and he had a smile and he said, I'm ready to meet Jesus. (laughs) And I thought, man, (laughs) you talk about stirring my faith. You know, folks, we ought to keep some practices in our lives that helps keep us close to Christ and our love for Christ. You know, when I think about it, prayer time helps you with your relationship with Jesus Christ. Prayer time will increase your faith. Prayer time will cause you to love him more. Prayer time will give you that completion of your salvation. It'll give you that satisfaction, that perfection of what he's done. Your prayer time will do that for you. But you know, you got to pick up your Bible and you got to read your Bible, and you got to study your Bible, and you got to pray, and you got to read your Bible, and you got to study your Bible. And as you read your Bible, and you study your Bible, and as you pray, God gives you assurance of things that there's no man can give to you. And I began to think about how Bible preaching, and I'm so grateful that I've had opportunity to hear a lot of good men preach. And I got a chance to listen to Dr. Lee Robertson preach. And I've got a chance to hear Clarence Sexton preach, and I've had a chance to hear R.B. Olette preach, and I've had a chance to hear men of the past preach, and I've actually been in the room when those men are preaching. And let me tell you something. When Mike Edwards preached, I can sense God the Holy Spirit in the room because the people are moved by God. 
And you can sense the unity of faith in the room. And, and I know whenever Bible preaching is being done, God's moving. And listen, that's why church attendance is so important. <laughs> because it increases your faith. It helps you see the power of God working in your life and working in the lives of others. You need to pray. You need to read your Bible. You need to study. You need to get alone with God. I'm telling you, you've got to get to the place where you're under that Bible preaching, and it only comes through church attendance. Because I'm going to tell you, radio preachers aren't going to do it for you. You need to be around God's people in fellowship with God's people while the preaching of God's Word's going on. Amen. Brings a difference. And boy, I'll tell you, nothing helps you more than when you learn to give. <laughs> learn to tithe. Learn to do it. You say, preacher, it's so hard, man. I've got this and I've got that. I know. <laughs> I got two, don't I, Chris? <laughs> you come over to my house, you can check out my bills too, man. <laughs> I got them just like everybody else does. But I'm telling you, God is faithful. And when you learn to give and tithe and do those things, and listen, God works in your life. He increases your faith. And I believe also in serving God. You ought to ask God, God, what would you have me to do in my local church? You ought to have an area of service. You ought to be doing something. You ought to be serving God in some capacity in your local church. And we ought to impart this knowledge to other people. There's nothing wrong with telling them it's good to serve God, isn't it? We ought to tell them that it's good to serve our Lord. And listen, don't be ashamed of witnessing. Don't be ashamed of telling other people about Jesus Christ. Today I ran out of tracks and I had some cards on me, so I started giving people cards and said, here, call me. Because I want them to know Jesus. And I'm telling you, those seven practices that I just gave you right there, you put those in play, and I promise you, your faith will increase. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying you won't get temptations, and I'm not saying trials won't come, because they will. And God will allow you to be proved, and when you're tested and you get on the other side of that, you're going to see the value of your faith in Christ Jesus. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know, if you allow the manifold temptations to control you or the trial of your faith to discourage you, then you miss out on the experience of the joy of Christ. <laughs> Don't let it discourage you. When I told Emily the other day when we were out, uh, Brother Chris, we were handing out the flyers for Easter. We were over a couple streets from here, just right around the church. So I told him, I said, let's just go around the church. We'll just go knock on doors around the church. And uh, poor Emily, she said, well, I'll take that door right there. <laughs> she went over that door, man. And good night, that lady come running out of that house, man. She grabbed that track off that door, man. She whipped it at Emily. And she said, I said, do not put this stuff on my door. And Emily went, hmm. And so she walked over and just picked it up and walked away. Witnessing for Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you something. You go read Acts chapter 5. What those fellows do? They rejoice because they were persecuted for Jesus' namesake, weren't they? And I told her, I said, remember that house number and pray for that lady. Amen? Remember that house number and pray for that lady. Hey, someday that's going to come back to her remembrance too, amen? And she'll either do it in salvation or she'll do it in condemnation, amen? 
But I'm telling you, Emily can pray for her and not let that destroy her faith, but let it increase her faith. When I look at the Scriptures, and I think about the midst, uh, in the midst of our temptations, in the midst of our trials, if you have a strong relationship with Christ, the world and the flesh and Satan, your circumstances, they won't, they won't overtake you. <laughs> You'll be overtaken by the joy of Christ in your life. And I share with you those seven practices. Don't let them fall by the wayside, folks. It leads to a lot of disobedience in our life. When you stop praying, you stop reading your Bible, you stop going to church, you stop witnessing, you stop serving, you stop doing those things, you stop giving, you stop... Listen, it only hurts you and your relationship with Jesus Christ. You miss out on the joy of serving Christ. And in the midst of your trials, your trials and your tests, never let it rob you of the joy that we have in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.